Rick Madison here, uh, one foot off center, uh, between two ferns, uh, with uh, my good friend Jeff Cox. <laughs> good morning, afternoon. Okay, so I was in um, I was in lovely Mexico uh, for a trip. That's why I have the George Hamilton look going on here, and and I I kept getting news as I'm on vacation trying to relax, and uh, it just kept going into the feed and I'm getting so I'm really excited about today um You're quite jacked up coming it, in well and somebody said hey you know why don't you just to balance it out why don't you talk a lot about some of the good things the liberals the liberals have done so I said sure so we're gonna spend some time on what the liberals have done right okay we're done all right now <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep rolling. Um, you sent me this story. It's an interesting one. Uh, the Twitter label, and this could be the Elon Musk thing going on, but uh, Twitter labeled state-funded or state-affiliated media for NPR. So, so I thought this was hilarious. So Elon Musk has taken upon himself to label NPR as a state-funded um, media source in uh, anything related to them on Twitter. So they've done the same for Soviet or or, or, or Russia or China-funded um, um, media outlets. They actually have have put on a handle that says that it's state-funded, which to me is quite funny. I, I mean, there's a whole debate of like, there actually is media funded in the U S that, that, that probably should have that label that does not. Um, I think one of the examples that was used was, um, was, uh, an army related station that actually has hundred percent funding from the U S and the question from anybody that wants to be on the other side says, okay, well, hang on a second. If you're going to do this, right. Um, why wouldn't, why wouldn't that, what, you know, is this really, tr is, are you really putting a fair bent on this? And frankly, I could care less about any of the American pr process. I just want to know when he's going to put that label on CBC. So, and, and that's the in interesting thing is I do think that label, uh, carries with it a certain, a certain connotation. And one is when I, when I read the rules for how you would, you would be described as such, one of them was influenced by so you're influenced by the government or you you get some sort of funding from the government so which means so would 80 percent funding qualify you to but be, that's what i mean yeah. it, if there wasn't ever a clearer example it, it's probably the cbc uh corp now i i want to i want to dive in uh a little bit into you know pierre polyev has always said on his platform we're going to defund the cbc mm -hmm. Now, if I was to dive down the rabbit hole, I do believe he's just going to stop writing checks to the CBC. Like if you have money and you can fund, because Hockey Night in Canada makes a ton of money. Right. And if the Maple Leafs make the playoffs, then they make even more money. But if they can, I don't think he's saying I'm going to shut down the CBC. I think he's saying I'm going to stop writing them checks. I think that's part of Pierre's problem, though, is his messaging um, gets spun incorrectly, and and I don't think it, that it's explained correctly as well. I mean, we've talked about this on on many fronts. I read an interesting article this week um, about about you know we talked about this in the last show about why women are behind Pierre, and actually it turns out it's not personal. They actually it's not that they dislike Pierre. 
um, which is which has come out in the latest polling, it's that they're fundamentally against against what they believe mm-hmm. the conservatives stand for, and a lot of it is perception, and that that will be his challenge. That's his challenge, I think, when he makes statements like defund the CBC. I think you have this semi-left group that says, "Oh, this is a this is an intention of our country. We've always had it." And I've said this before. Listen, I grew up on Peter Zosky and Stuart McLean or, or or George Strombo. Like, there's been some. Peter Mansbridge. Cafe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, listen. That's that was that was legit. Um, it was it was articulated. It was it was well done. I think that Canadians want that heritage. I'm okay with that heritage too. I'm not okay with with what's going on on the national on a regular basis for a very small audience. I mean, they're barely on the best of nights cracking a couple hundred thousand viewers and we're dumping billions of dollars into this organization. It doesn't make sense. Well, especially because there's some very big names that have done a, like a slow mi- migration away from CBC. Sure. And some have been very vocal about the fact that, you know, the narrative has changed. They're not fine with that. And they feel like it's completely subjective. It's no longer objective reporting. And, and a lot of these are bigger names that have been mainstays on CBC and they're just saying, you know, this is enough. Yeah. You know, we Rex, just can't do this anymore. Rex Murphy being probably the, the, oh. the biggest of them in, Rex that, in that group. But yeah. I, I, you know, and I have tried to find this. I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I would love, I just don't believe that Peter Mansbridge is comfortable with what's going on in that station right now. No. He's not speaking out against it. Um, but, but I'm like, come on. Like somebody's got to start having a little bit of, uh, just like like again. I think this is this was the intention of the show was to say like, can somebody with some common sense start speaking up and saying this is insane, right? But I, I mean, to be fair to Peter Mansbridge, I think he's he's got a ton of integrity. He what, displays as such, but it's it's fundamentally which goes back to our CBC comment. Yeah. If the CBC is funding your life and giving you everything. It's really tough to say no. I'm, I'm gonna actually start slamming you a little bit. It, it wouldn't make any sense. He doesn't have that wherewithal to go. I'm gonna walk away from a career, and start doing what I want to do, which is saying this is fundamentally wrong. True. And the whole start of the story um, is the hope that you know Elon Musk has a lot of disdain for our current prime minister. So my hope <laughs> is that you know the next, the next organization he should list as a state-funded media on Twitter is CBC, and that would be a funny day to me, a hilarious day. So switching gears a bit, you know, it, it does feel like there was a documentary, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was it was a documentary about homeless people in Vancouver that have these shopping cart races down the side of North Vancouver Hill, and it feels to me right now like we're in a shopping cart with a wonky wheel, and we're like, I don't even know how this is going to go. Yeah. Like, it feels like we're picking up speed. Yeah. So uh, further to that, let's talk about the um, the police chiefs have said, you know, we have an easy bail policy. And this is something that I, I know, you know, in our local, um, our, our local police chief has said in so many words, like, we're trying to work within the system. Right. The system has to fundamentally change for us to make any kind of impact. But what I found interesting is they're saying there's specific sectors of the population, vulnerable sections, that they are telling judges, you, you can't throw the book at them because if they're identified, uh, you, you know, you have to actually back off of them. And that has bitten them in 
bitten them quite a few times. Yeah. I, so, I mean, listen, you had you had the police chiefs across Canada come together this week and say they need an urgent meeting today with um, the premiers of the provinces. And, and, and it's serious and, and they need some help. Um, you go back in, in British Columbia, the BC's mayor caucus um, brought some statistics forward last year that said they could identify 11,000 negative interactions with the police in a one-year period, and 204 people were responsible for those 11,000 actions. And we're seeing this right across the country. And people say, well, what's changed? Well, I'll tell you what's changed. Bill C-75 um, and the amendment that was made at the Criminal Code is what changed. It happened in 2018, and we have been on a downward spiral since. Um, if Again, uh, you know, Vancouver police um, identified that there has been 44 stranger attacks, right? So attacks on strangers, um, very concerning for a lot of people. And 78% of those people had already been criminally charged with, this, with, a, with a similar crime. I mean, again, uh, you, your, your analogy of the shopping cart, like mm-hmm. the question is, can we stop it on all fronts? But, but really that, I think uh, that question was, was posed to me this week is, can it even at a place of being saved? And my answer is, I, yes, I hope so. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that old, but I've been around long enough that we've seen some troubled times before and we found our way back from it. I do think we're at the brink, though. Um, I, I don't think that we've seen it on as many fronts as we're currently seeing. Yeah, we've had national debt issues before and we've had liberal governments come in and clean them up. Um, Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin mm-hmm. um, being being really the two that 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 inherited an absolute disaster, the debt clock. Remember that disaster that used to start every newscast? And they just said, take that down, take that shit down. Like we're not, we're going to, we're going to get this back in line. And they did, did a hell of a job. I think we're further gone than that period of time right now um, because we're fighting it everywhere. But on this specific issue around, around what's going on um, from a criminal perspective, it is a liberal amendment to to bill C-75 that really set this course uh, on the path that it's on. And and then they're trying to spin the, the gun control as something we're being tough on crime, we're being tough on justice. <laughs> and, and again, I keep saying this, I don't think a lot of the nefarious part of our population is registering or following all the rules um, because they're nefarious. I, the The part that's that's bothering me most about this is because it is part and parcel with something that they've orchestrated. This is yeah. this is a bill they've introduced, and as such, cause and effect. So now we have this population that is feeling threatened, and the other side of this, and I have a cousin in the law enforcement world who says the the wear and tear on RCMP is huge because he said. We feel the public's disdain for what's happening. And if the public doesn't feel safe, and it's all because of these of the legal system and the ramifications. So I think that's the other part of this is you're going to see less and less people going to Regina to train to become an RCMP because they're like, I'm not going to depot because I, I just feel like I would be three steps forward, 14 steps back. Yeah. So, um, and I wish I, I wish I had the statistic ready is a very sad situation. We've lost seven or eight police officers, um, this year to targeted attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I did not grow up in a Canada where police officers died. Um, that was South of the border. Mm -hmm. They have brought it. It's come here under, under this progressive, liberal government. I think to your point, the scarier part for me 
in Nanaimo a couple weeks ago. Um, people fed up, had enough. They're tired of their built. They're tired of their their um, small businesses getting broken into. They want their tools back. They go into a homeless camp and get shot. You know, I listened to talk radio following those couple days, and it was the same message all the time. You know, people phoning in saying, "Listen, I had the exact same thing happen to me, and I phoned the police, and the police said there's nothing we can do for you." And so, and again, I'm not blaming the police. Um, if you're not, if they're not given the the ability to deal with this, they, I, I get it. I get why that's their answer. But when we're at a when we're at a stage when when society is taking law into its own hands, again, very very scary place to be. And Toronto is an absolute. I mean, they're describing Toronto um, very similar way they talked about New York in the seventies. Like mm. like Toronto is gone. Like no one will ride. No one will ride transit. Um, and again, here you have a government pushing pushing. You know this green this zealous green economy that that they're so so hell bent. Just on. transition. Just transition. Yeah, just transition away from the, the the staple of this of this country. But but again, you you so you have people that can't ride the can't ride the TTC. You have you. I, I mean, people are scared to walk the streets in Toronto, right? Like that's that's how it's being touted is as this city is as far gone as New York was in the seventies. That's a scary scary thought. So locally, I was at uh, uh, one of the liquor stores picking up a, a six pack. And I, as I was getting in my car, I saw a fellow zip out with uh, a case of kokanee, hopped on his scooter and started school. And, and then uh, an attendant came out and, you know, shouted some obscenities. I know exactly. I pieced it together pretty quickly what was happening. And and I thought, oh, you know, I, I wish I I just got in my car. I would have I would have done something. And, and I don't think that would have been. That would have been ill-advised, actually. But anyway, I went around the corner, and there was a police SUV parked within, I would say, 100 meters of that incident. Now, again, I'm not blaming that police officer. I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, they're 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 basically going, yeah, okay, I can go get that six-pack or that case back for you, right. charge them, and then they're going to wheel in and wheel out. And, and that's the part that I think all the RCMP are frustrated with. Yeah, they're fatigued. And I think the public is now fatigued. Mm-hmm. And I think we know something's wrong. And it's, and again, I, I mean, I mean, uh, listen, again, this is why we talk about common sense. I mean, listen, there's a ton of studies that show um, that locking people up for long periods of time um, is not healthy either. Like, I am for rehabilitation to a point. Again, I think we don't, we want to walk that fine line not to not to not become America. But there are so many factors in the U.S. system. One, private jails would be would be the first I would look at. Mm-hmm. But but the reality is there are criminals and criminals need um, to, to, to do their time. And, and what we should be focusing on is rehabilitation. I mean, there's a whole bunch of sub-studies in Canada too about, about people that leave jail or are doing illegal activity from jail we're not actually making a change. And I think that's the reality. It's a, if we are, it's small. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is most of them are just continuing to do what they're doing, coming out and, 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 and continuing on. I mean, it is interesting at the same time that, that the BC government has been given powers to start seizing things um, like houses from criminal organizations, which has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, that ruling came through. So those are, those are changes um, that again, you have to walk a very fine line on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but,
But we have got a fundamental problem, and it started with the change to the criminal code in 2018, and this is what happens when you do that. And and giving uh, a free pass if you're part of an identified group or a vulnerable group. I mean, again, it's such a fine line. Uh, to me, that's identity politics. Again, this is the problem. That's reverse racism. It, well, it's the yeah, <laughs> like, it's affirmative action. Like it's 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 it's. it's it's the it's the basis of woke, right? I mean, I mean, it's the irony of woke, right? Mm-hmm. Is is this idea that they think they're fighting for diversibility, but the reality is they're actually creating um, um, lines, yeah, identity politics. Mm-hmm. Um, they're separating classes. Um, you know, if you break the law, you break the law. It's but, uh, yeah, the law is the law. Sure. Now, I I get it. There are there are. We have challenges um, in certain communities, and we need to support those communities more. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that 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 we can't allow criminals out on our street to continue. You gentle soul, you <laughs> gentle gentle soul. Okay, let's talk about this uh, this fun little topic called the federal carbon tax. Um, <laughs> now, I like I like the fact that the the calculators are a bit skewed in Ottawa. I, I do love this. Listen, we're gonna install this tax, but wait, wait. In fact, if you do the math, don't really want you to, but say you did, um, we're going to take from you about $8 billion. Correct. And then we're going to give you back $33 million. So not a B, it's an M. Now, that sounds a lot like a tax grab. Don't think of it as we're saving our 1.6%. You know, we're, we're, we're saving. And, and I keep going back to this. It's a non-peeing section of the pool. Like, I mean, China, India, I mean, they're peeing and doing a lot into the pool. Yeah. But China's emissions here, are 30% of the world's. Yeah. So why don't we just, over in this corner of our pool, we're just not going to be peeing as much. Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like to me. And we're going to be uh, have this tax that is onerous on vulnerable part of our population. Yeah. And, and again, I'm like, I'm going to use the word common sense a lot today. So um, only that has no place here. <laughs> apparently not in Canada. So, and again, I'm with you. Like, so this is what doesn't add up to me. So I, I, I have kids. We've talked about this. You have kids. I, no one, I want to, I, this, we need to take care of earth. No one's disagreeing with that. Mm-hmm. Is climate change real? Yeah, of course it's real. Uh, where we live, um, we have seen a change in the climate since in the last 20 years, Right. We're watching it in California. We're watching it in other areas. Is it directly driven by by human um, by human society? That's arguable to be sincere. If we're going to actually have a real debate about this, but but set that aside and 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 let's say that yes, I want to leave my kids uh, a, a place to live. Right? Common sense. So let's start doing that. So I can tell you what's not doing that is is adding an $8 billion a year carbon tax that you're telling Canadians is net neutral and then giving back $32 million? No, there's a big gap there. What they're not accounting for in this sector is, listen, every time you tax the gas in a truck that moves food, that gets passed along to, to, um, to the consumers, right? Every time you tax uh, the gas um, that's used to heat on a farm that gets passed to consumers. So, so the reality is there's tons of ways to tackle, to tackle climate change. It's not through tax. If we, in fact, there's even more progressive ways. So we have clean energy in this country. We have liquefied, liquefied natural gas 
at at a, at limitless um, uh, opportunity. We have not turned on one terminal in the eight years um, that the liberals have now been in power. Well, Russia and China and the U.S. have been lighting it up at every every possible corner. We could be actually, if you if you're sincere and can have a realistic approach to climate change, you could be selling clean liquefied natural gas to countries that need it while we build a further uh, f- further opportunities um, within the within the green space. Again, carbon capture, um, um, you know, actually talking about, if you want to make a fundamental change, like, listen, we live in a northern country. You you have to heat your house to live here. That, that, that like, you will freeze if you don't. There is only one option where, uh, where we live to heat your house. It's natural gas or electricity. Heat pumps are not even an option where we live. So you want to change, you want to make climate change, Go out and, and, and focus on inventing new ways for this to happen. The technology actually already exists. I mean, a, a good example would be um, in the French Polynesians, um, they, they use deep ocean water um, to, help, to help cool versus, versus air conditioners. Mm-hmm. Now, is it expensive? Yeah, probably flipping really expensive. But the reality is we could go focus on other ways to actually reduce. The problem is that's not what they're doing. They're just taxing the shit out of Canadians and emissions are still going up. We're driving Canadians into poverty and we're still producing more emissions than we were last year. That's, and the, that's the struggle. And the part that I don't get is, is if we're truly sharing the same air in the world, which fairly certain we are, global problem. fairly certain we are, and if we were to start uh, tackling these coal burning plants yeah. and actually have, and, and we keep... We keep doing that, which is if the more we keep LNG back, the more coal because they they need to have energy, so they're going to continue to build these these coal burning depots, which is probably not great for the earth either. Right. So I I think it's this global view versus a very hundred percent isolated view that uh, for some reason happens to come from Ottawa where they're saying no 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 we're going to keep all of our energy and that's the part that really frustrates a lot of us on this program is the fact that we are a country blessed with resources, blessed with it. And and we take them out of the ground with policy and with with oversight and and a lot of sustainable goods are taken out that way. Transparency. And and we and we we seem to almost be nervous about the fact that we have this. We seem to be ashamed and embarrassed. Oh my gosh, we do have LNG, lots of it. Right. Let's not let the world know. Like, it seems like we're keeping that back. And then when we go back to, which we'll get to, is the food bank issue. It seems like there's this fundamental pushback from Ottawa saying, we're going to keep all of that and with no with no plan in place. Right. So, so you can continue to tax Canadians into poverty and try and reduce the 1.6% of global emissions that we that that as a country um, we're responsible for, but again they're not they're not connected. So as we tax eight billion dollars in the Canadian society, global emis- or our emissions are still going up. So it's not working. So let's just so that, I guess that's the first point is like let's not pretend we're saving the world by by taxing our own citizens. I think I think that's the part that we all just have to recognize. Now can we go cut a deal uh, with? Developing nations like India would be a great place to start. 
China maybe less so right now. We got a few so? few yeah. challenges going on with China. Some, but let's say wrinkles. we could we could strike a deal. Like, would it not make more sense to actually take a global approach and say, "Hey, listen, we're going to help. We're going to help this get better." I, I think the part that really really pisses me off is is that we are constantly being preached to by this by this group of morons in Ottawa right now. And and careful C11. C11 right, that is or, a C11 or mister. We'll, we'll get there too. <laughs> um so here's the thing. I I this is this is what's being told to us and we need to do our part. And and Justin Trudeau gets on on a private jet like I get on my bike. Mm-hmm. Like that's the part that kills me. You've got you've got this you've got this environment minister who's a criminal for the record. Um, he looks great in an orange jumpsuit. He really Yeah, does. he does look great Brings in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, here's a guy that that has made a career in chaining himself to Chevron stations in Quebec and and whatever other crap he did for 20 that's years. That's going to turn the needle. Totally. And yet he logs more time in in a government suburban than almost any other minister, then blames it on COVID, and then takes an exorbitant amount of people, like on the highest f- amount of all G7, right. by the way, yeah. 42 people to a resort um, in the Middle East to talk about climate change. To pound their the tables on climate change, yeah. In, mm. a, in a resort that has actually been touted as one of the worst environmental resorts in that area. Like, and that's the insanity that I'm like, this isn't real, right? I don't, how do you tick the box for those guys and go, you don't get it. I'm, this is the part where I'm like losing, I'm like starting to like think that we have an issue as a society. Who's driving that bus? Who, who with any common sense goes, I'm with these guys. I mean, that's not, I didn't have to dig to find, I'm not an investigative reporter. Like I, I just, I barely opened my eyes this morning. This stuff hits me in the face. And so I'm like, what? Like who, who actually believes that they're making a change? Which and, then leads to the conspiracy theory of that they're doing it on purpose. Oh, no. And, and that's, and, and again, we, uh, we have uh, tin hats at the uh, One Foot Off Center uh, gift shop, by the way. Um, <laughs> but we do, the other side of this too is, and, and this is where I have another problem with, which is, Anytime they, they do get this tax money, it should be earmarked towards helping, sure. assisting with climate change or reduction of carbon. And and I, sorry, I just don't feel like fundamentally, okay, if I give you $8 billion minus $33 million, you're going to fundamentally help the climate and reduce those target emissions, which you haven't done yet with anything you've ever set out to do. So now I'm fundamentally feeling like this whole plan is flawed and this is a tax grab. Now, if it is a tax grab, which it is, just say that. Just say we need a whole bunch of money because we've been we were hoping that if we gave you a ton of money that we had your back that you would vote for us. <laughs> that didn't really happen the last election. Everything remained the same. But, and that was the other part. Well, okay, so that which then leads to the next part when 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 
the Wicked Witch of the East there, Christopher Phelan, stands up and says, well, what were you cutting the budget? How about the 33% of jobs that you just added to the government over the past three years? Like, start there. Well, what would they do for work? I don't know, send them in the private sector, which can't find anybody to work? Like, like it's the insanity is like a next level, right? Like, what do you mean there's nothing to cut? There's tons to cut. We've all in our lives faced budget crisis, whether it's at home or in a business, and we go, okay, Time to do some hard work. Not with these guys. No, no, keep spending, right? Like, But that that's another word that they bring up as this evil word, which is austerity. And austerity means like the cupboard's bare. We're basically not going to have any kind of infrastructure. No, it means balancing the budget. And, and is there going to be a bit of pain when we just don't fundamentally keep printing money? Yes. That's part of managing a household budget is sometimes, guess what? We're going to have to shut off the lights earlier. We're going to have to cancel Disney. Sorry, this is going to be awful. <laughs> but those are austerity measures. We all have to do that as, as Canadians where we go, listen, I, I got to bring things down because I think we were overspending last month. And whenever they bring up, well, the conservatives are going to do an austerity, uh, tons of austerity measures, which is a scare tactic that they're saying, listen, those free checks will stop coming under a government that wants to balance the budget. How dare they? So I, I don't know if people understand the fact that if we ever manage to to look after our house, to look after our own, that we can, at after that that growing pains, it's just like Alberta when Ralph Klein says, listen, we got to we got to shut down some hospitals. I don't want to, but there we don't have the money anymore and I want a place where you can have the money. So, how will we I and and this is listen, uh, because I've done budgets, you've done budgets, like you start with the low-hanging fruit, the stuff that's really easy to see, and then you dig from there and go, and typically you uncover something pretty massive. So, I'll start with some low-hanging fruit here. Maybe you want to throw some out too. So, Okay, watch me save a million dollars. Because again, it's if we can save a million dollars at a time. So the hundred fifty thousand dollars that the taxpayers paid for Justin Trudeau to go to Jamaica this year. Let's. So I got. I got. There's one fifty. Yeah. Uh, he was at the Queen's funeral for six nights. It's six thousand dollars a night. So let's just say that's thirty six grand. But let's say he needed to be there. So let's say he spends a thousand dollars a night on a hotel room. You spend a thousand dollars a night in a hotel room. Uh, the Super Eight doesn't have those uh, <laughs> those penthouses anymore. I, I they call it the roof now. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the money that is just being dispersed um, into into groups that are then spreading anti-Semitic hate. Um, mm. You know that was a four hundred thousand ticket, right? Yeah. Like like again, it's it's. It's not, and again, I'm not here to like, to be sincere, it's, it's, it's not the debate of what, what is right or right, what is wrong in this example. But here's another one. Jordan Peterson was in Ottawa to a sellout crowd and there was a ton of protesters, which is their right to go voice their opinions. Unless it's on Canadian soil, sir. <clears throat> well, I agree that it's their right that they can voice their opinion. I don't agree with it, but they can go stand there and say, we don't think that this guy is the right messaging. Personally, I think he's got great messaging, but for a specific group of people, they don't feel that way. There were 22 groups that were protesting Jordan Peterson in Ottawa. The first 10 got over a million dollars of funding from the Liberals last year. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, 
so we need a, an emergency measures act for that that protest. <laughs> I would think. I'm just like when people say there's no there's there's I can find the low hanging fruit pretty quick, right? Is all I'm is all I'm suggesting. So, and maybe just maybe don't buy a pipeline, overpay for it, and then screw up the construction of it by slow playing this pipeline, which we know probably will never have a drop of oil go through it while we have the uh, the liberals in power. We do prefer to buy our oil from other places, though. We have enough, but you know what? It looks nicer through the window across the ocean in a ship that's dropping sludge every kilometer mm-hmm. that it goes across the ocean. That's the way we prefer to... It, it's just such an optics... Thing. Well, and oppresses women and kills kills journalists. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Saudi Arabia was responsible for killing Jamal Khashoggi, right? Um, I can't talk. I got a, I have a mouth piece in right now because I'm missing teeth. Sorry, I sound like, but anyway, I, I, I that and and it's a valid point. Like, let alone the fact that we've got to. And again, you come back to how do you affect climate change? I live in a valley that produces fruit, and yet when I walk into my grocery store, almost all the fruit that's available is from Washington State. Mm-hmm. So, so if, again, if you're serious about climate change, well, I don't think the liberals are. I think it's just absolute oh, bullshit. It's hypocrisy, for totally. Sure. So so promote and find a way to sell me an apple that is in an orchard that's less than a kilometer from my house. That's how you affect climate change. You, you, we are going to be dependent on some kind of gas and oil for the foreseeable future. Let's again, how do you how do you how do you how do you curb climate change? You don't move it from Saudi Arabia to Canada. You, you use the stuff that's homegrown, let alone the fact that you're buying it from a country, that oppresses women, kills journalists, among a whole bunch of other human rights um, I- issues, right? Like, like again, it, these are just simple thoughts that seem pretty common sense to me. Between two ferns, here we go. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on is, uh, now again, we've we've trespassed across Bill C-11 numerous times on this, on this show already, so I hopefully this will run, I really do. Uh, uh, but the other part this is going to be Bill C-11. We should probably talk about it. I was in Mexico when it was passed. Um, the Greens, uh, the NDP, the Bloc, the Bloc all came on board. And again, I haven't had enough time to, to read into this, but it seems like between Bill C-11, between uh, the carbon tax... I, I do feel like Canadians are just getting exhausted yeah. and, and they're finding like, listen, it feels like you're just doing stuff to us now and because it's affecting all households now. Yeah. So I wonder if our good old-fashioned, um, our, our union members are starting to wake up to this fact, which has long been a base, long been a base for our friends, the liberals. Yeah, until, apparently until now. So... Um, again, that that uh, article this week um, in the National Post um, showing that um, union support has shifted significantly in favor of, of the conservatives. And and again, as a broader stroke, I mean, they've got a 10 point lead, um, which is unheard of. And and then you've got that group that keeps saying, yeah, but they they you know, they're missing the women. They're missing the women. which which, again, I think good step back and say, what what are we not doing? 
Um, if there if there's people that are riding uh, that, that that still haven't made a decision, can we win them over? Not by changing our messaging, but by explaining our messaging better. Because I, because again, I think you got to have some core values that exist. But when you start winning over, like like if you're Jagmeet Singh and you just watched all your unions not walk next door but go two doors over, man, you should be looking in the mirror. And again, I go back to it. Where where is that party like? I mean, you know, rest in peace to to, to Jack Layton, who, oh, Jack. who right? But Great where's mustache. yeah? He was awesome. Where you ever see the just quickly? There's a great Rick Mercer catches him going into Parliament one day, and he's he's like deadpan serious. And he goes, Jack, Jack, do you have time for a question? Jack's like, Yeah, yeah. What's up? And he's like, How do you feel about proving that mustaches are more for more than just gay men? And it was like the funniest moment. And and Rick is openly gay. It's a it was a phenomenal it was a phenomenal interaction. But anyway, I'm off I'm off topic. Where's Thomas Mulcair? Where where are the diehard NDPers today? Um, they have there has to be a group in the background going, "This is insanity," right? Like, but but it does feel like the the liberals have done a very good job of just basically taking all the wind from the sails of. All your platform, we're we're basically taking that on as our own, and and we talk, you know, the name of the show is one foot off center because the center has actually moved quite a bit, and that's why we get, you know, it's tongue in cheek, but but that's fundamentally what's happened with the NDP platform, which used to be, you know, heavy on climate, heavy on the on the labor side of things, and now all of a sudden they're going, well, wait a second. Who is our populace? Like who who is going to listen to our policy? Because the liberals have said, no, no, we'll take some of that. We'll take all of that. We'll take oh, fundamentally everything. And I think the liberals have lost their way, lost their identity. Because the Jean Chrétiens, the Martins, like I, I feel like Michael those- and Abby, if he was solid, oh. <laughs> okay, but so they're losing. And again, I think this comes back to it. Polling's polling. Um, some polling's very accurate. Some some is not. But I do believe we're in a situation here where, listen, I think if you held an election today, it's a landslide in the, in the favor of the conservatives. I think it becomes a majority. I think there's some factors here. Don't give me hope like that. You just, you I just, I just, tear up a little bit. Sorry. I think we're through. I think there's going to be some pe- people that came around that might have got on the Mad Max train mm-hmm. for a bit there. Uh, but I really think that that he will die on the vine in the next in the next election. So I think you're going to see maybe some of that support come back to the conservatives. I think you're going to, I, I, again, I think you, you, you're just facing society that's had enough. You know, I have had some success in business and I'm very grateful and fortunate for that. I am making decisions walking into grocery stores about what I'm buying. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sincere. I, I fundamentally in the last two weeks have said, can't do that. I'm going to do that. And if that's happening to me, we got some serious problems in this country. So look at you. We're just we're just flying through this agenda. Uh, hunger count was done in March across Canada, and that's just to get a basis of who's using the food bank. Locally, I may or may not know some people at the food bank. I do. Um, and, and one of the things they said is the number two highest growing – aspect sector of people that need the food bank every single month 59 percent is dual income full-time people so these are people that both have jobs full-time still cannot make ends meet 
in and and they need the food bank like that to me is a very telling tale of why you do have the, that labor market saying listen it's okay for us uh to have you know this 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 connection with government in our union agreements and we have a very favorable government to us but if we can't make ends meet with our jobs because the whole infrastructure there's that shopping cart wobbling down the road um, then all of a sudden they're going no no we, we need to change we need to change our government if we're ever going to see another day where these these union jobs do make sense and they and they they bring that money in like that to me is where I feel like the food bank is indicative of the economy for a large sector of Canadians and again it's it's one of those things that that's why this show for me is such a passion project because that has to change. Yeah, so food bank statistics in Toronto, uh, I think the Daily Bread, um, they used to feed 60,000 people um, annually on a budget of about $1.5 million. Today, they're feeding 260,000 people on a budget of $1.8 million monthly. They are now saying this is not sustainable. It's, it's not going to work. What are we going to do? And that's what I'm talking about, the point of no return. I'm with you. So, so. Uh, again, you know, the BC government this week says that they're going to increase minimum wage. And again, the insanity of it, it doesn't work. That's not the challenge. We've got to get people out of even flirting with minimum wage and back into jobs that pay um, sustainable wages for the work done. And then that sustainable wage has got to correlate into being able to afford a house and feeding your kids and letting them play hockey. And that's the challenge today is we're not there. You know, if you go back um, to my youth, so, so you 30 years ago, right? I grew up in a neighborhood where where you could have a doctor, but you also had a family that had a dad that worked at the mill and mom worked at a, at, 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 you know, interior health and, and, and you had this, you had this mashup of families that were sustainable within this group. Now, technology has changed the face of manual labor and that's the reality, but, but there are jobs that are available and we can create jobs, um, that, that can create self-sustaining families. And you can also have a self-sustaining family if you allow them to purchase and live at an affordable at, at an affo- at affordable level. You're not going to do that when you're taxing the Canadian population $8 billion in a, in a tax that's supposed to reduce our carbon footprint that does not, right? You're not going to do that when you don't have housing for people to live in. And, and, you're, and you're doing nothing to get the red tape out of the way to make it happen. You brought a great staff to me. It, it, and, and there was actually a couple articles this week about it. Um, so if you create a multifamily... Um, complex. Mm-hmm. You're paying tax per door. So it actually makes more sense for developers to build a large single dwelling home yeah. than it is to produce 22 um, doors for, for multiple families. Like again, common sense says that's not right. So I, w- I want to unpack a lot of the yeah, stuff sorry. that you, cause there's a lot there. Um, let's talk a bit about, uh, cause I did want to touch on minimum wage. Uh, some of the viewers, listeners of the show said it would be great if you and Jeff talked a bit about minimum wage, cause you touched on it. Um, which is if you lower the cost of goods and you didn't bring in a carbon tax, which brought everything back up again, 
good on you, uh, Trudeau. But part of the minimum wage that I think a lot of people don't fundamentally understand, so we're talking boots on the ground. So I have a, a retail store. He's got, say, 15 employees. So the minimum wage comes in. He's aware of that. He has to then pass that along to consumers because he can't just take all of that in. Well, business owners can just take that on the chin. No, they can't because we just came through COVID, remember. So COVID was not easy on a lot of retailers. A lot of them shut down because of COVID. So so this is another hit on, on the business sector. So the minimum wage also makes him go, okay, as I look across at my 15, I will not hire anybody else because... If I hire them at this wage, they are not going to be as productive as my senior members. I might give them, like everybody's going to have to come up, which means fundamentally less jobs across the board, more cost to consumers. So all the people we're trying to help with this minimum wage, and I'm not saying, you know what, for some people with taxes and everything else, it's probably a little bit of a bump for them. But again, it's a monetary policy that doesn't make any sense for an economy. So if you look at the whole economy, you need to look at each one of these factors and how they relate. And it's one piece of the pie. This is the same government. And again, you're right. Listen, business owners are not eroding their profits. It's a it's a tightrope if you're in this game to, to, to make money. And yes, in the end, it, it does appear that business owners um, win, but you never see the stories of the ones that don't. And and again, you don't see the stress that falls on these people to try and um, make payroll. And and that's the piece that we've got to get away from is that somebody that's had success is evil or they've employed 40 or 400 people to have reasonable paying jobs. Like this idea that everybody that starts a business is 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 the root of all evil is is again it's a Canadian that's that's very much Canadian culture. It's not like that in the US, right? But again when you get back to it so again you're looking at minimum wage in BC um, you're talking about a group that uh, a government that that took MSP um, the medical service plan and said oh well, we're not going to charge you for that anymore and then turned around and said to business you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I said as a business owner, oh it's I already pay for it. We already cover that for for our employees. Oh yeah, but somehow it doubled. And I said, sorry, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you pay for your employees? Cool. Except now the cost is double. So when MSP got got changed to the health benefit tax in, in British Columbia, our cost doubled to cover our employees' MSPs. Tell me how that works. I mean, the intention is it picked up the ones that were being paid for by, personally. But you understand how that automatically hits my bottom line and any business's bottom line. And then... And, and it feels like the current NDP provincial government, it feels like we kind of batter government on this program. I'm not saying we do, but we don't. Uh, uh, but the other part that I really find interesting is it feels like they continue to just hammer small business, medium-sized businesses. I take, for example, another holiday on our calendar. Yeah. And how much money that costs everybody. And again... If you say, well, why don't we just take a current holiday and just convert that? Because do we need to have a truth and reconciliation day? Probably. But I think fundamentally you're not another holiday. What are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to reconcile with indigenous groups. I don't know if a holiday does even close to coming close to that. I I think we need to do other things other than just another holiday that, again, the small business, medium-sized businesses have to take on. So 
A good example to me is Remembrance Day um, and, and, and a holiday that unfortunately is defined by time. And as time passes, we get further away from what, what that meant. But if I go back again 30 years to being a kid in school, Remembrance Day was a big deal. Taking a, taking a moment to remember was a big deal. We should never forget that. But I'm probably the last generation that, that truly will understand and had a connection um, to somebody that 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 fought in in arguably World War II, right? To me, that's Truth and Reconciliation Day. Okay, so so it's the same thing. This is a this is a again this is a very serious topic in our country that needs to be addressed. But we need to start stop doing it in this ominous fashion. I want to see people held accountable for what went on. Mm-hmm. I want to start people. I want names to be named. And if they're alive, I want them to go to jail. And then I want to start talking about a plan to make sure that we never get there again. And I want that day to be set aside to remember. I don't want it to be a day that everybody else has off school or work so they can go to the mall and shop at Bed Bath & Beyond. And, and that's, again, I can support the holiday. It's a very good holiday. It's, that's not that, that, and again, this is where, you know, anybody that's from the extreme typically left says, oh, you're against indigenous, like the furthest thing from it, right? It's such a ridiculous statement. What I'm against is we can't have 13 holidays in this province. And then you have, you know, again, depending on the sector you work in, it's almost a, it's almost a shoe in the boxing day you got to throw in the mix, Easter Monday, right? Like uh, this is the part that it's, it's, it's. People have to listen and go, this is, again, this is not helping. This is just inflating, right? You know, you're about, you're about, again, this is a broad statement, but per 10 employees, you're probably looking at about $4,000 um, uh, per, per 10 employees for, for a day off. That, that's a, that's a, I worked the numbers backwards and, and got it down to per 10. So, so if you have a business um, that has 100 employees, um, David Eby making that decision cost that business 400 grand. <laughs> uh, David, David, David. Okay. So we, uh, I still feel like the shopping cart, you know, is gaining speed. Um, and, and we're going to do this show again. Cause I, I just love this show. Anyway, yeah. um, you have another, point? I just want to, cl- I just want to close with one thing. So, uh, it's master's week. I'm mm-hmm. a big golfer. You're a golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, on I was, some holes. Well, yeah, holes. yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you, you, you make it happen. It's a pretty good swing. So, but I was a question for you is, um, Ricky Fowler, uh, you're aware of Ricky Fowler, mm-hmm. orange Puma hat. Yeah. Pretty good guy. He's picking up a nickname right now. Uh, big Dick Rick. And it made me think, why don't people call you big Dick Rick? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other show. <laughs> and that actually would get more viewers. Average Dick Rick. <laughs> <laughs> one foot off center so we got big dick rick and then jeff what's your last name yeah, again Cox. exactly yeah, exactly so the it's the the dicks dick and cock <laughs> show apparently uh as always a, a hoot to uh, to chat with you uh between two ferns sort of and uh and I, I i do appreciate people listening to the program watching the program because uh it just means they're invested yep. it means they're trying to to get some some different perspectives on some issues so or hate us one of those <laughs> well that's and and with bill c11 may never run yeah, we'll, we'll be out there anyway you have to find <laughs> yeah. us on the dark web it, it'll be in a back server way yeah. back yeah. so uh thanks again and uh thanks for tuning in see you soon